0: Well, here we are, Drew. Uh, no cho again this week. This week we tried. He tried. We had technical difficulties, as you know. He still resides in the uh, hollers of North Georgia, and so we got to use, you know, technological magic uh, to hook up with him every week. And that didn't work this week. So I don't know what. To Even do. though we had a literal magician here. Mm-hmm, that's right. Later in this episode, you're going to get. Uh, Here, an interview we did with Mr. Justin Willman, who's a comedian and magician and, uh, MC and all that shit. Very impressive guy. Very, uh, he's, he's an awesome dude. He's from St. Louis, Missouri. He has a show on Netflix called Magic for Humans. It's out right now. Uh, he's going to be on tour next year and he's just, yeah, he's the shit. So that interview will be later and, um, hope y'all dig that. But alas, there is no Cho. Since there is no Cho, let me tell you, uh, come see us this weekend if you're anywhere around middle tennessee uh this weekend at Zanies in nashville where we go every year right before christmas the 19th the 19th through the 22nd thursday through sunday we're doing shows at Zanies. but here's the thing they're not just our standard stand-up shows we're going to be doing stand-up but we're going to be doing so much more it's a very well-read christmas holiday extravaganza with uh all kinds of special treats for you guys, aside from just stand-up. music, music uh, sketch, sketches, that type of live thing. sex acts, crowd interaction,
1: all that. That's weird. What the you followed up are. the sex act yeah. with the crowd That's interaction. The sex act, sex DJ act, right. Gutter Bumpkin's gonna be with yeah, us. Yeah, Mr. DJ will be there. Andy, Miss Andy with an eye will be there. It's gonna be a
0: real Ow, big fuck. old time. So come see us at Thanes this weekend. Uh, you know, get your Yule Tide shit going on. What's that mean? I don't know. Wellreadcomedy.com to get tickets and see all the shit we got going on. I have no idea what Yule means. We uh, should Yule have Tide. a chorus for the
1: variety show that just yells,
0: Yule Tide. Yeah, Yule Tide. Uh, I don't know. Let's see what that... So anyway, what... You played that song, which they didn't hear, I
1: don't okay. think. Okay. I, I just played for Trey. I don't want to get into the copyright mess. Right. I just... Sturgill sent... Brian, friend of the podcast, my best friend from growing up. Just sent me a text saying, "Have you heard Sturgill and Kesha's new song?" And if I'm honest, I thought it was going to hit for me, and it did. If you if that that text would come through a couple three years ago, I'd have been like, "What?" But Kesha's kind of hit for me in the last two or three years. I don't listen to her 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 or anything, but I I don't either. But like Andy throws it on,
0: read and like heard (laughs) about her and stuff have generally kind of hit for me uh she seems like you know not your typical uh pop tart situation
1: yeah she that first album that uh blew up i think it was called warrior uh i just the thing i was reading about to pull up that song was talking about that i know she wrote most of the, those songs she did it with dr luke who she's now in a big right. fucking legal battle with right. and accused him of the Raping her, Mm -hmm. uh, and she's been steadfast in that, hasn't backed down. But, uh, anyway, she's just, uh, the song slapped. And I, I for one am glad to see Sturgill doing stuff like that. I want to hear him, he teased him and his drummer producing a hip hop album if anybody he, you know, wanted to work with would allow him to. And I'd love to hear that.
0: Hell yeah, I'd love to hear that. Um, I mean, yeah, I'll fuck with anything he puts out. Um, How what's this? You said you have a story for it's gonna hit for you. Yeah, it's in short. Is this about last night? No, you went out drinking last night. I just thought it was oh, yeah. No, we just
1: went and karaoke or whatever. And then I went to Palm Springs this weekend for Mm -hmm. Andy's birthday and we went to the Joshua Tree. We stayed Mm -hmm. in Palm Springs and it was one of those things where I just got on hotel tonight and got like a really fancy resort for like 80 bucks. And dude, it ruled. I mean, you know, it's like one of those things where it's not surprising that shit rich people's into awesome because like they can do whatever they want so they only do the hitting stuff right but it was really cool just you know white rock beautiful pool i've wanted to go to palm springs for a little bit
0: and we even went out to joshua tree but we stayed in like an airstream in the desert in joshua tree we did that friday went out there and didn't actually make it to palm springs on that trip but i've i've just always been intrigued by it because It seems like a wild place to me because it's this, this oasis in the middle of the desert that like I know rich and famous people have been going to for forever. And I I don't know. I'm always kind of fascinated by places like that because it's just like, what, what is it? Like, why, how did this become a thing?
1: I I don't know how it became a thing. I think for them, it's like an all inclusive type deal. Like they stay at even more expensive resorts, you know what I mean? And they don't really leave. And I say that, except maybe to shop. I say that because we also went out to, like, bars, and it was a little bit, like, shitty Key West. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of nicer Gallenberg. Like, the bars were, like, you know, the Tiki Hut. Yeah, and it was as cheesy as you would have expected it to be. Well, I, I was a little surprised by that, honestly. Yeah, I don't... Uh, yeah. I, I thought mean, it I would be, like, why, higher, but, you know. Right. I didn't necessarily... You know, I didn't think it was going to be the best thing in the world but then on friday we went to pappy and harriet's which is um people jokingly call it la's favorite bar they just have rad musicians there was a band there called the cordovas they're unbelievably great they're out of nashville and um they're opening for elizabeth cook friend of the podcast soon how about that and they were so fun and pappy and harriet's rules it's like an old saloon you know uh, that's all anyway. in Palm Springs. No, that's that's closer okay. to the Joshua Tree. It's like in it's in a place called Pioneertown. Town. Okay, yeah, that was our Friday night. So our Thursday night was we were Instagram influencers. Me and Andy were taking pictures by the pool, you know, in all white, and then on Friday we slept out in the desert. Uh-huh. In a trailer, basically, it was yeah. a tiny little thing. Yeah, and there was a hot tub, but it was literally just an old tin tub, uh-huh. and they had a heater attached to it. And we, there was a meteor shower. And we Jesus. first, first we got well, we knew that there's a meteor oh, shower every year right. on our birthday, I mean, that checks out. But we got hammered, drunk at Pappy and Harriet's, and uh, listened to the band, ate nachos, went back, got naked, got in the hot tub, and watched the meteor shower. And surprise, surprise, that hit way more for me than the fancy resort. But the fancy resort did hit for me. Well, that's all pretty rad. That wasn't my story. Okay. My story is I was playing basketball today. And this is just so the Ravens. And uh, there was no, this, this wasn't like a beef situation. We had a turnover. My team turned the ball over. It was a fast break situation. I found myself guarding the largest man on the floor. He's about six foot five, probably 260, not fat by any means. And he's trying to bully me. He's like trying to bat me down, get the ball real quick before the rest of the defense get back and score quick uh bucket i am battling with him the best i can probably fouling him but he's got too much pride to call it they throw the ball to him and i stick my hand in and reach in and tip it away and prevent you know it was good defense we got the ball back but when i did he almost accidentally broke my jaw like i felt a crack it hurts so bad right now i can barely close it like he turned and his just giant shoulder just smashes my face right today Mm mm-hmm that happened today you look fine. Thank you. Uh, he hit me like right here and the crack was over here on the other side. And it's like kind of hurts the clothes. And I, mean, I don't think it's broken or anything. He just, it fucking, I'm injured or whatever. But I do that. It hurts. You know, he's like, man, good deed, You know, I look up and I tipped it to somebody else on my team. They threw it ahead to this old man who's actually pretty good. He literally trips over his own feet and falls into the wall. There's no one around him. He just literally trips over and throws the ball into the wall with no one around him, and I'm just looking at that, like rubbing my hurt jaw and just being like, "That's that's a metaphor." Yeah. You know, that's yeah, nothing. Hits. You you defeat you, the ravens, right. Only to see subsequent ravens. Yeah. Yeah. The ba-
0: backup ravens. Yeah. 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 Such is the way of things. Um. So I went to my son's holiday concert at their school you know schools be doing that they have like, Do your kids play music instruments no it's like you know i'm pretty oh, sure it's sang. very common yeah They, yeah, yeah, they yeah. put the kids up that. on stage and they do like choir we didn't do it in solana because we right. didn't do shit in solana but the, you know they put them up there and they do a choir well, type that's what church for right well and i there's it was just it was funny to me in parts because like most of it was like pretty traditional or whatever, but it's Walt Disney Elementary School in Southern California. And so, like, and I, w- I loved all this, but it was just funny to me thinking it was very about. very California Christmas? Pict- yes, picturing like a papaw or something sitting through, you know, a fucking old school from Clay County papaw sitting through this very sweet little children's Christmas concert so they did Hanukkah stuff I guess they did a lot of a lot of yeah Jewish stuff a lot okay. of Hanukkah stuff but also stuff like Rodolfo the red nose
1: reindeer <laughs> which was in like Spanish you know yeah. or Spanglish sorry it was like it, Rodolfo the red nose reindeer and then something something robo. some words
0: were you know I couldn't keep up with all of okay. it because like the Spanish parts I couldn't understand because I'm an idiot i like how I started Spanish. down that question like I was like my you were brain gonna be able gonna to turn it it on and right, yeah but they and you know the you know the version of rudolph where it's like there's like a call and response part where it's like um you would even say it glows, it glows like a light bulb yeah. or whatever that type of thing well they were doing they were doing that version uh of it except all of the like the like of that like, were all like spanish or whatever so i couldn't even understand them which was killing me because i wanted to because like the crowd was laughing and stuff and i don't know the only one i understood was you remember at the so end, they changed some of it Yeah, the only one I understood, maybe, or maybe they were just saying the regular things in Spanish, but the crowd reaction made it seem to me like they weren't doing that. But I don't speak it, so I couldn't tell what was happening. They were laughing
1: at you. Maybe. They are talking about how his his nose was as red as your neck.
0: Yeah, well... Look, this idiot. (laughs) (laughs) He don't know none of this shit, and I didn't. The only part I understood, though...
1: (laughs) You would even say, he blows like a dumbass! (laughs) (laughs) You know,
0: the one, it's like, um, when it gets to the part... You'll go down in history like George Washington, right? Yeah, Benjamin Franklin. Like Benjamin Franklin, or whatever was one of our founding fathers. Well, we would keep going. That was our okay. joke, right? Well, the way that they did it was, you know, you'll go down in history like Cesar Chavez, you know, like that
1: type of shit. Is that literally? Who yeah, that
0: Cesar Chavez. Yeah, and I and he just like. And the whole thing was like that, you know, like they did the whole program. I mean, was things that would piss off a papaw yeah. and would, thus were hitting for me because they also did like we wish you a Merry Christmas. And then they would go into, you know, we wish you a happy Kwanzaa, happy Hanukkah, right, whatever. And they I'm not I'm not saying this to be funny. They got to ones that I have never heard of. And I couldn't even tell what the fuck they were saying. Like that's how inclusive it was. You know what I mean? Like one of them sounded like Teague or Cleeg or something. I never heard of it. I don't know what they were saying. We wish you a happy Cleague. And it's funny, you could see the kids sort of by the end of it being like, What is what the fuck are we doing here? You There's like I mean?
1: one Swedish kid over there in the corner, like, We yeah. haven't gotten to my part yet. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. In all of the name of inclusivity. Uh, you know, but I'm Again, surprised that all hits for me. It was just also kind of funny to me because I was just picturing that happening, in, you know, at Salina KA or something. I am
1: pleasantly surprised by the inclusion of Caesar Chavez. I looked it up to make sure I wasn't being super ignorant, but that dude was uh, mostly famous for being a labor organizer, right? I mean, you I know, knew it's it was like, some. I, you know, I know, I know thing. Californians who live in Burbank uh, at least pretend, if not sincerely, don't have a problem with you know brown people right. but labor unions oftentimes they will be very anyway I, i'm okay hits yeah i mean again it all hit for me it was just
0: you know kind of funny what uh did y'all do shit like that at sunbright i don't i we didn't i don't i mean i really yeah, we don't think so we didn't do shit Yeah, we did what but you not said every year. about that's what church is for that seemed to be the general yeah we didn't do it philosophy. every year
1: i think like fifth grade we had one okay and then maybe eighth grade and then choir would do it but only if you had that class that semester in high school. But I mean, I think that might have been during the fucking day, which, you know, hit for me. Yeah, I'll go watch, you know, my girlfriend sing. Oh, I mean, this was also during the day. It was during the school day. We had right. To down
0: there. Yeah. Like, at you know, 11 or whatever it was. But they do little dance numbers and shit. Choreographed uh-huh. dance numbers to some holiday song I've never heard. It was really upbeat. But, you know, they're out there fucking dabbing and stuff. It's precious. It is precious. It's a good time. Christmas always really hit for me. Almost every holiday, I'm sure. Well, no, that's not true. The holidays that are only about getting drunk, (laughs) you know, New Year's, St. Patrick's Day, whatever, those hit less after you have children. All the other holidays though are uh those hit less after you get older period though I'm sure yeah, that's
1: true. I had kids pretty young so I don't even like know, there's a part I of I like, fucking with those years ago. like there's a part of me that's like and I and I know people do this and it's not the right reason and it wouldn't be the only reason but in terms of me and Andy, we've been talking about it more like whether or not to do kids and like that that plays a factor too where you're like well, there's nothing else to do. Right. In this existence, like, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. I, it's all emptiness, yeah, and hollowness. Mm-hmm. and I unless love, you unless want to you... be
0: one of those, that one of those guys that's still like, fuck, you know, going out and partying real hard and getting hammered and shit when you're forty. I mean, like, there's that a sad
1: version of, of that. There's some cool versions of that where it's like, yeah, no, there's not. I was like the <laughs> the argument I was going to make was someone who is the party. I was yeah. like I, like he probably I think he has kids but I, I think Cooley, what a great name is mm. one of the coolest old dudes ever and he still seems to get hammered drunk Yeah, but yeah at he, his show. He's a literal where he's rock star. he's getting paid right. to be yes. there. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: Um f- anyway, but yeah, most of the other holidays though are enhanced by children and uh Christmas especially. Mhm. So it's like it's probably always been my favorite holiday which is ironic probably because you know Jesus don't hit for me. Uh
1: but It's definitely my favorite now. It's definitely my favorite holiday.
0: Yeah, mine too. Uh,
1: Well, we can talk about that more next week Mm. after and during when we are actually doing our Christmas show and it is closer to Christmas. Corey. Oh, that's right. I guess I was thinking that, well, if it comes out on Wednesday, it it doesn't matter. We'll do what you just said.
0: I think it may technically, that episode may technically come out. On Christmas? Or after. Yeah. But anyway, whatever. Yeah, we'll do that.
1: Corey is flying to Seattle Oh, yeah, yes. to make diamond on delta, I want him to show us that that hap- that that worked,
0: like that he verified that you because can't, how you funny
2: c- if you don't get it, that's what I'm hoping that for be.
0: that's what I, that's if why that's one of the that, reasons I brought it up, so just so everybody fully understands what we mean, if you fly all the time frequent flyer programs with delta, it's a medallion thing, silver, gold, platinum, diamond medallion. We are touring comedians. We all have been diamond medallion for a couple of years. You you board the plane first, you get upgraded
1: uh you get upgrade priority, all you all you, kinds of you shit. You often like that. can change your flight for free, which is the yeah. most monetarily valuable thing. There's about a lot it of things about to it that hit. There yeah. are. And
0: I got diamond for next year already, uh, but you and Corey were going to miss it. You're just they don't hit for you, but you're whatever you're I'm not even close. You're just like I ah, fuck it. I'm not even close. Because what are you going to do, right? But Corey though has been so distraught by the notion of having to go. By the way, not down to no status.
1: He still be platinum. down
0: to platinum. Like the sheer thought of being only a platinum medallion member. Yeah. for Cory is just more than Corey can bear. Like I'm. And I'm you not,
1: said you were swelling with pride. Yeah.
0: Right. No. I. I swell. <laughs> yes i did you're right because it's so you know just so choey it is bothering him so he'd already done it yeah anyway it sincerely has bothered him so much that what today he went and bought the way you get that status is either miles you fly or money you spend a combination of the two so today he went and bought tickets to for a, a trip to seattle washington for no reason other than it will put him over the threshold for being diamond medallion so he's going to fly from Georgia to Seattle and back and the amount of money it costs to do that just to get this increase in status this is proof and I did tell him I was swelling with pride this over. is
1: this is <laughs> proof of how much I don't hit for you what I did the literal exact same thing last year. I flew to Austin, Texas for the same exact reason, by myself, spent three nights in a hotel, went to the Continental Club for the same exact reason, and neither of y'all remember it. No, I remember you taking that trip, but
0: I, in my mind that was just a, you love Austin. I thought you just took a trip with Andy that, to no, Austin.
1: She didn't go, no. And, that, Andy and I didn't go? Because it was just to get the status. Oh, I did not. I don't hit for you. Or course. I remember that trip. I didn't remember the context
0: of it. Again, Austin's your favorite city.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I chose one I wanted to to go. Right. Yes. Uh, Well, I'm sure he likes Seattle. You know what I mean? Like, I needed to be, it was like one that was far enough away to qualify me. Do you know what I mean? It was like, okay, these are the three places I could probably fly to qualify me. Okay, Austin hits the most. But I'm sure if Corey was choosing between Dubuque and Seattle, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. Well, shit, I'm sorry. It's cool, man. It just is so,
0: It seems like so much more of a show thing. It is. Because it's absurd. It's a show thing. Of,
1: well, like, I argued at the time, I think we talked about it on the podcast, that it wasn't absurd for what I just said. That flight, I don't know how much his was. My flight was $450. Three times this year, they let me change my flight at least. Maybe more. That's the other thing. where You were...
0: You were clearly, like, you were, like, right there. And yeah. you were like, I'm going to miss this by a tiny amount. Fuck that. I'm going to take a trip because I ain't letting that happen. You saw the screenshot. He's, I'm not going to put the exact numbers out there because, you know, whatever feels a little weird to do that. But you saw the screenshot. Like, he wasn't that close. That's why I made the joke. I was like, I, I, I told him. We well, had to have been close for it to work, I, That's right? what I'm saying. I, I was skeptical. Well, is at first I was like, "I'm are going to fly. I was like, you're going to have to fly to Italy. Just to eat spaghetti and then fly back if you want to make the make up that well, difference. Well, I mean,
1: I'm very hopeful that it don't work. I mean, yeah. Oh, Trey. What? It might not work. Because he's 6,000 miles, flyer miles away. Oh, he's going to listen to this he's going to know. <laughs> Has he already done it? Yeah, I mean, according to him. Oh, yeah, he sent us the well, confirmation. And it, and it might work, but it might not. Here's the thing. But it's not 6,000 miles like, oh, it's 3,000 miles to Seattle and 3,000 back. Yeah, they I, I ascribe didn't... miles right. to a trip. That's what I thought, too. Now, what he may have done, because he knows about this shit, and he's not an idiot. What he may have done is purposefully flown from Atlanta to Minneapolis to Burbank yeah. to Seattle.
0: Surely he would have somehow verified that it was going to work before doing
1: it. Maybe. Every fiber of my being, hopes not. I,
0: well, dude, when he first sent us how much he had left, in my mind, I was like, because that's why that's I told him, I was like, dude, you're going to have to fucking fly to Italy if you want to make that up in this amount of time, because I didn't think he could do it domestically. But then a little bit later, he was like, well, got it figured out. And I was like, all right, hits. <laughs> but surely, I mean, God, can you imagine? Can I
1: imagine? If that if that plays out that way. A- and it won't bother him at all, which is like what's so beautiful about him. Mm. I don't know. Not being diamond next year he, will infuriate him. Well, that's him. what I mean. But his mistake yeah, and like spending oh, the money and all that? he 100%... That. Was, Seattle hit, baby. Exactly. Got that. Woo, my One, favorite chowder. 100%. <laughs> he, that,
0: you're 100% right about that. Yes. He's like, what? Seattle hit? I would have done it anyway. Honestly. I'm, I love going to I'm, Seattle. I'm probably
1: going to start doing it every year, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll, think I'll start about. doing it. It's my yeah. favorite place to go. They got they got the Christmas lights. Yeah. I've been telling everybody they need to go there. I wanted Amber's ass to go, but she's too lazy. Yeah. No, it
0: will be that, <laughs> absolutely. But he can't even front like the diamond thing isn't going to bother him if if that turns out that sure. way because it's been driving him up the wall. Uh, but anyway, well, I'm I'm glad you did that because you know, stay tuned, y'all. For <laughs> <laughs> well, The update. Yeah, we're setting this up. That I can't. We wait. can't
1: know for sure until he does it. The way their app works, it doesn't tabulate any of that till you get home. That's one thing I checked. The first thing I checked was the date. I was like, "This dude booked a flight for January." I thought thinking that, that too. because he bought it now, but, but it, he didn't.
0: No, yeah. So anyway, building that suspense. Yeah, tune in next time. Well, it won't be next time. It'll be two episodes from now. I guess we'll figure it out. But again, I don't know. Surely, he or like you said, he'll hear. Even if he didn't check, he'll hear this and he'll he'll do something. Yeah, he'll check on it, and if it ain't, he'll
1: he'll fly home uh, great, through right, New York. Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> he'll do something. He's not going to let this happen. Now that we've talked, put it out there in the universe. But Lord, if it does, somebody said I don't hit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, uh, enjoy episode. this interview with uh, comedy magician extraordinaire Justin Wilman, everybody, and come see
2: us in Nashville. All right, here we go. Skew. Well, goddamn y'all, let's pay the bills. Are you still wearing Polo Blue from high school? That stuff that you can get literally for 25 cents a squirt at the goddamn truck stop. Or are you still wearing Curve? That stuff that was very cheap and very stanky, but the only purpose was to cover up the weed because you were a sophomore and you'd get in trouble for it at school. Quit doing that. Smelling good is awesome. Too important, and that's why you guys need Hawthorne, because Hawthorne smells really good, and getting Hawthorne cologne is so easy. All you got to do is go to hawthorne.co and take their quiz. They have a quiz that I'm not shitting you guys. I took it, and I was like, man, this going to be some bullshit. They're, they're going to match me with some cologne. They're going to ask me all these random-ass questions, and then they're going to find a cologne. Nay, two colognes. That go for me, but they sure did. They asking me wild questions and turns out they sent me one cologne for work and one cologne for play. And I ain't going to lie to you. It's exactly how I want to smell when I'm at work and exactly how I want to smell when I'm at play. On top of all the goddamn uh, shampoos and the uh, body washes they sent me that absolutely hydrate my skin. More than anything my sorry ass was buying before that. You've got to get Hawthorne. Take the two-minute quiz at hawthorne.co. That's hawthorn co, and they're going to give you the two colognes that are best for you, one for work and one for play. It's totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. You literally can't fuck this up. I'm the dumbest person that I know. You've listened to this podcast. This is your boy, The Chow, by the way. And I'm the dumbest person. I can't fuck this up. If I can't fuck this up, you can't. You need to smell good for your woman. If you're listening to the Well Read podcast, I have a feeling that maybe you aren't the sexiest motherfucker on earth, right? I hope you are. I hope that we have some hot listeners, but we probably don't because if you're listening to our ramblings about dinosaurs and Spider-Man and bullshit, you're probably a stinky dumb motherfucker. At least smell good. Go to hawthorne.co, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-E-N-E. Let me do that again. hawthorn Co. and you're going to use our promo code RED, R-E-D, and you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. You get 10% off your first purchase, and it's free shipping and free returns. You can't fuck it up. Do it. Love you. Here's the deal, though, y'all. Smelling good and everything, you also got to feel good. We've been hearing a lot lately about the benefits of CBD. CBD is produced from the hemp plant. It's a non-psychoactive portion of the marijuana plant, so don't get your shit twisted, all right? CBD is legal in all 50 states. It helps with pain relief, anxiety, sleep, focus, muscle recovery. You name it, CBD will hook you up. But it can be hard to know which brands you can trust. That's why I'm so glad that I discovered MDRN CBD. That's Modern CBD. It's the leading site to buy high-quality CBD products online. I love that Modern CBD curates the best CBD products from only the most reputable brands. All of Modern CBD's products have passed strict Quality control procedures. They offer full transparency with ingredients and product lab results available to see on their site. They're not bullshitting. You can just go read them right there. Modern CBD will be like, hey, you think we're up to some shit? Here you go. Here's the facts, you son of a bitch. Plus, Modern CBD offers free shipping on all orders. I hadn't even got to the promo code yet, and they're already hooking you up. Free shipping. Shipping on all orders. I love Modern CBD. You've got to do it. It's the go-to website for CBD products. And right now, we've got a special offer from Modern CBD. That's MDRNCBD.com. Excuse me. Just for our listeners, you're going to get 30% off your order plus free shipping. But only if you use our promo code RED. So go to MDRNCBD.com. RnCBD.com today and use the promo code RED and get thirty percent off of your order plus free shipping. Don't wait. That's MDRNCBD.com promo code RED. Sincerely, guys. This your boy the Cho. You know I love this shit. You know I'm a lunatic without it. If you're a lunatic, but you don't want to be a lunatic, but you're like, what? What is this? Is it that I got pain in my knees because I played baseball? like i got anxiety but like i don't have too much anxiety that needed to like go do some crazy stuff take cbd i'm telling you try it try it it's amazing now back to the podcast well here we are
0: here we are mr justin willman what's What's up up? we're doing it uh so magician comedian um also cupcake host extraordinaire all these yeah in my past life multi-hyphenate uh you're from st louis missouri
3: i am good place to be from
0: you're like you born born and raised there born and raised up until what age when did you
3: leave i left at 18 and went to boston for college he went to college in boston he went to law school in boston
0: oh yeah yeah Yeah, i went to bc law where'd you go
3: dang fancy emerson
1: that's pretty fancy i figured he's about to drop harvard on us i figured he's about oh no emerson's a great school it's got a lot of uh entertainment related comedy pipeline up there yeah when
3: i went it was basically where you went if you got waitlisted to nyu okay went to emerson and now i think it's the other way around now people
1: you mean if you want to do entertainment specifically or in general yeah you know it was just like it was
3: when i went it wasn't as hard to get into as it is now uh-huh so i'm
1: i'm, I'm enjoying yeah. all this esteem that you made has. it hard to get into by succeeding that but yeah. probably you have a lot of successful alumni i think they they do. Yeah, they definitely do, do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's kind of like <laughs> shit know, ton the, of agents too <laughs>
0: oh really yeah Yes. Our, our age, I went to Emerson. Oh. But yeah, it's like, you know, obviously Harvard, the Lampoon and all that. And I know I met a bunch of TV writers that were Yaleys and, and shit, but Emerson has got to be in the top
3: five most common places. Yeah, you know, if, you're if you're funny, here. but you're not that smart. <laughs> right. So funny. So what did you <laughs> major in there? <laughs> I majored in broadcast journalism. Yeah. Okay. And I did some like film and TV and... I think I was thinking practically, like my at my parents urging, you know, yeah. magic's great, but, you know, get a degree where mm-hmm. you can do a thing. So I thought maybe I'll be, you know, a weatherman or be, a, mm-hmm. you know, the funny news reporter in, right. in in wherever, in Wichita or something. But I have
0: to assume that magic came way before all that. I'm yeah. assuming you were a kid when you started doing it. I was 12. Is that accurate? Yeah. 12? Okay. That's all I've ever
3: what, uh, got doing.
0: What got you into it in the first place?
3: Well, you know, I used to. Well, uh, the the initial impetus, I was I broke both my arms because I was riding my bike (laughs) while wearing rollerblades (laughs) (laughs) down a hill. You know, growing up in Missouri, I'm sure in Tennessee, you get you do some stupid stuff. Yeah, hell yeah, got to. And uh, first concussion, seven years old. Wow, that's yeah. impressive! I didn't break my arms. Sorry, to go ahead. Thank you. And both at the same time. It <laughs> takes skill. And I was in cast for like six months, and my doctor recommended learning card tricks as dexterity builders to get my, ah. you know, physical therapy kind of thing. That's how I got into magic, and then I started taking these magic lessons with a buddy. At this uh well, the one magic shop in St. Louis was also kind of an adult novelty store, so it was like Bachelorette penis hats and uh-huh. you know uh, all that kind of i had to have you had to have a parent with you if you were under eighteen, so I, my mom would take me and she'd wait and it'd be weird, but I would learn some tricks and and that's I did something it comedians all and magicians
1: have in common is like we're just relegated to you know strip clubs. and what y'all do
3: (laughs) it's like they they tack it on to something else (laughs) right right because magic cannot pay pay the brick and mortar bills right um
0: yeah so like were you did you start performing for other people in like as a kid as a teenager in high school or were you just like you know in your room just getting all this shit down
3: working on the craft you gotta do the loneliness in the room i think at first you know you gotta master the trick but i was the kind of guy like as soon as i as soon as I like okay this this works so I did it in front of the mirror I got it I I needed to put show it to people so I would like always yeah. have tricks in my pockets and show it to my parents or my sister uh I take 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 a bunch of magic shit to school and uh some magicians you know really practice and rehearse in private and for me I I just kind of as soon as I know what I'm doing I need to do it for people it's like doing rehearsing your stand up set right alone well you that's it's the... like uh, no, right I, it I does laughs any you can I need do people. that
0: to get you know, get an idea of where you could write it, it at alone, or whatever, but, you, but it's not. You don't know shit right, about once it. Once it's written, you have to put it. You up have to
3: before you know it's good or not. So, right.
0: So, but how do you? And I know like uh, Pete Holmes has a bit about this. Uh-huh. I think, but like I totally get the what you know the feeling you're describing of like I've got to put I got to put this in front of people so I know what this really is or how I feel about it or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But you know, with a joke everyone knows what that means it means like do they laugh at you know you could tell immediately like oh they got a big laugh it's pretty good or you know but with magic like what is their response is it a gasp you just look at their face you can see it in their face like okay i'm really on to something with this one
3: well when i was like 13 14 you know like i I didn't have gigs right away so i would just be doing it for a couple buddies and and if they're like you know what freak mm-hmm. out you know or kind of like oh you know you do it in the common room i remember in, in high school and people would crowd around what's up magic do some tricks and you kind of want that when the, the climax of the trick hits everyone just to kind of run away
1: uh, right yeah yeah yes. that's the best feeling and you, you know you, you ever done it. magic for southern black people oh yeah yeah, yeah that's great oh yeah they our run from, away right our friend <laughs> oh, our friend yeah. matt white who is not white uh-huh. uh our friend yeah. who's the other magician i know uh magic mike did a m- trick huh. and 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 Matt ran away but his face was it was great. It's a good feeling. It's before
0: joy. before he busted the trick out we're standing there with uh, Matt and I was like I was like can I ask you something and it's like kind of playfully racist <laughs> before he starts he's like yeah sure and i was like are you about to lose your fucking shit over this this magic stuff right here and he was like yeah probably <laughs> and then and then he did he yeah he fucking Great. just ran out the room on Def the other jammed, side of it
1: what i call it you know they stand up yeah turn in a circle uh-huh. <laughs> but
0: but like i was texting them earlier uh about you coming today and everything and i was saying like I you know you're aware magicians you know take a lot of shit or they're a punching bag for jokes a lot of times you mm-hmm. know what i mean uh, but every single time i actually see magic or experience magic or even watch it on t- i don't have to be there physically like i'm literally spellbound the entire time like it i'm you know I go for it completely. Like as soon as it starts, I'm dialed in, and
3: I love that shit. It tickles. It tickles a different kind right. of nerve in people. I think maybe there's a, this animosity if there is one, like, comics and magicians, just because like when there's a magician on the show, it's just kind of hard to follow th- having people's minds blown with 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 comedy. You know, like it's I would have a bunch yeah. of you know comics just be like ah, oh, I don't want to be. I don't 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 make me follow the magic guy. Put him up last, whatever. Right. You know and uh and that can be mistaken for uh you know animosity but i think it's just like there's two different it's just two different stimulus and yeah. it is I, mean, I hate following the
1: to... music for sure for
3: that reason cuz it's a same. different part's
1: different part of the brain like, oh,
3: everyone's just mesmerized you know everyone's all swooning over this guy I, or girl
1: i think something that comedy and magic have in common though is sometimes people see a bad version of it and then that becomes what it is in their minds cuz like great magic is like you said it's like spellbinding or whatever and i'm not even talking about magicians I'm you're like your lame friend who bought a fake thumb at 16 and stuffs a thing down in it to like oppress girls at parties and you're like what are you doing and like then you go to or you go to an open mic and some dude just talks about his dick but there's no real punchlines, and you're just like this is painful and i I think that i don't know i almost feel like there's like a vulnerability to trying stuff when you're not good at it in front of people that people respect but also kind of judge you know it's because like everybody wants the great magician and the great comedian, but they all want to shit on the bad one. And it's like you got to start somewhere,
3: especially people who've never been to like a real a real comedy show or like right. A, right. Or seen a real magician. They've just seen right. Shitty right stuff, and it's like you know people who are always like, oh no, I don't want to sit in the front row. Probably for comedy too. Oh, I don't want to because I'm going to get picked the, on. You're right. Yeah. And it's like what what who hurt you? Like yeah. what horrible magician or comedian <laughs> just rips someone a new one? And it does. Yeah, it does set a it. it well thorn what about overcome
0: again i'm well okay and again i don't know about animosity or whatever i just think that like you know sometimes you know magicians can get made fun of do you know by comedians and that type of thing yeah and i totally get what you were saying about the anim as far as performing together or whatever but what do you think about there's also the kind of and i've watched your shit you're fucking awesome but you also like you don't really have the like I'm trying to think of how to term it. The like you don't dress like mystical... somebody who's into
1: David Bowie like way too the, much. Like, the like
0: uh, over the top mystical wizard vibe that a lot of <laughs> famous magicians have had. Yeah, you know what I mean. That I think makes a lot of people you know, it makes them easy
3: to joke about or whatever. How do you feel about that? For years, like the most famous magicians were, you know, David Copperfield or Doug Henning or Harry Blackstone Jr. or Lance Burton and who are all great. But, you know, you just see that image of them on a poster and you're like, this guy's a douche. You know, there's just something about the aura of this guy's think he's so great. There's no humility to it, you know, and I think. Coming up, like when I went to Emerson College, I all my friends were comedians, and I kind of like. Then you know, I'd been a magician for ten years at that point, but then kind of mm. became a comedian as right. well. And I think I may, realized what was so funny about magic and what I didn't want to be. You know, I'm not comfortable. Yeah, just kind of doing this kind of. The 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 Bowie fan, you know, the right. the, the outfits and all this. I don't want to dress... I don't want to have a wardrobe when I do magic. Right. I'm very right. afraid
1: okay. of comparisons because, you know, I don't like it when someone's like, oh, you're a comedian, like, you know, Fart Magoo. I saw it at the Chuckle Hut or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I hope not like that. But when I saw uh, some of your show, I was like, oh, it's like he's in the street and he's blowing these people's minds and it's blowing my mind and it's really cool. it's It reminded me a little bit, not of him, but of his show, David Blaine. Yeah. But without... He had that. He had a different version of what we're talking about, and I don't think he was putting on. I think he really talks like this. I yeah. think this is just his personality. But I remember growing up watching that. I was like, "This guy's cool," and after about three episodes, I was like, "Why is this guy such a dick?" You <laughs> know, and you don't have that at all. Uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like even I mean, even he and then that that guy Chris Angel, mind freak, oh, yeah. it, it, all that stuff's great. But I'm like in my head as a kid, you see that and you go, "Oh, magic's for like goth people." Right, and then I saw your show. I'm like, hell yeah! This is right. This is not like that. You it's know?
0: also funny. We're talking about Magic for Humans, which is on Netflix, and the oh, yeah. uh, second season just second came season out. Season just came out. It's out now. Uh, got a great Christmas episode on there. Oh, thank you. Um, so you know, tis the season. So check that out. But that I was wanting to ask you something about having your own magic show in that vein. Do you ever talk about or, or concern yourself with thinking that people watching? a show about magic just because they're watching it on TV and like the Marvel universe exists today and people know that like you can literally do anything you want with cameras and computers and shit. Yeah. That there'll be some kind of like inherent skepticism from an audience uh watching a magic show just for those reasons. Like how much does that factor into it at all for you when you're thinking? It does yeah. a lot.
3: And it, just because we're so spoiled with visuals now. Everything, right. Everything that happens in these movies looks so real. Now. Right. And we know it's not real because we know it's in a movie and like, we're kind of like, wow, great special effects. Um I I did a bit on it in the second episode, kind of, it was in the episode called Fake, and it's kind of about the skeptics and stuff like that, and people just thinking, you know, if a trick is good, it must be CGI, you know? I I take it as a compliment if people are like, "Nah, it's fake, you know? That must be editing, because it's not, you know, we work really hard, and I think you can feel, like, you watch, like, Zach King, you know, who's amazing, he does all the visual CGI magic Mm -hmm. on YouTube and stuff, and... (laughs) You know, and he, it's it's all final cut and all this. But so he the, made the
0: port? Do he make the portal video? You know the video game portals where where, yeah. the, the,
3: where he jumps through the portal and is going around his problem. Sort of I mean, thing, he's yeah. done so many and they're really good. But I think you still watch it and yeah. you're like, wow, really good special effect. Definitely. And there's yeah. just something even now that I think you can still tell when something rubs you a special effect and when it, when it doesn't, like when mm-hmm. it, it's real. You can't cut. You know, you gotta. I try to go to great lengths to make you get that it is happening and the best i can do is just assure you that it is and some people you know that's never enough and that's right they're gonna think that no matter what exactly exactly uh and i that is nice that there's a difference between a movie where it's an actor everyone's pretending when you want it when you watch a magician you do kind of want it to you you need to have the The ethics reinforced, you need to know that you're not betraying the audience's trust. If you're saying you're a magician, you're saying that this stuff is actually happening due to skill and, you know, I don't want to let you down. But yeah, there's, I wouldn't call them haters, but they're like, you know, magic, uh, magic naysayers. Yeah, like
0: professional skeptics or something. Yeah, like they co- just, commenters. Yeah, co- right. commenters. Uh, yeah, I know all know. about those guys. You yeah.
1: said we work really hard. Yeah, uh, I, you're talking about your TV show and your yeah. production team and all that. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Magician seems like a very singular thing. Maybe historically, there's one assistant and he or right. she's sort of in on it. I assume with a TV show, you got to let more than one other person in on what you're about to do how does that work was it hard for you was it fun for you is that what you wanted to do you know going from you're one-on-one with a person or one on four to now i've got to involve all of you and let you behind the curtains i mean uh,
3: very true because for years like as a performer it's very much just me like okay trying to think up a cool trick build whatever i gotta build put it up on stage it's very a diy one-man operation so Mm -hmm. like And I'm kind of, it makes you a micromanager, you know, like, no, 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 I'll do it myself. You know, Uh, I even run my music myself, like all these little things. So making a TV show, obviously you got to crank out a lot of material. So we uh, have like a writer's room for two, three months, just like a, just like a, you know any comedy series right.
0: but do you come into there with with tricks and then well, they come up with like and they help you come up with scenarios or
3: premises that the trick would fit inside of yeah or well it's kind of funny so the writer's room part there's actually only one other magician and yeah. then it's just a you know five comedy writers so we're coming up with like the episodes that we'll want to explore And I come in with ideas You know, I'm a dad Let's do an episode about fatherhood Let's do an episode about Just how we don't communicate well anymore Like these broad ideas And then we'll come up with segments You know, like, okay, okay We're going to explore fake What's this about? Authenticity right. Let's people knock off sneakers People sell them fake Let's do a bit about fake sneakers Let's do a bit about you know, uh, fake news. Like we kind of just come up with the funny premises, like the the who we're we doing this for, where and why. Yeah. Because I, I always want there to be some sort of a why, like not right. just doing magic for magic's sake. I feel like we've seen, you know, you've seen Copperfield banish the Statue of Liberty. You do all this crazy shit, and it's, and it's amazing. But it, at the end, you're like, okay, that's over. I'm not left. I'm amazed, but that's it. And I want to make you at least think or learn something. Or.
1: That feels new to me in your world yeah. but is that because I'm, you know, an ignorant about magic?
3: Well, I think Penn and Teller kind of always sure, did that's that true.
1: that um, you know, that
3: they were a big inspiration where it was, you know, kind of anarchistic for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They did a bit like this flag burning bit about the second amendment and about the bill of rights. Just a, just about um, being an American, you know, and, mm-hmm. but it was this beautiful bit just with an old, you know, uh, handkerchief and a paper trick. And then they did it with the flag and the Bill of Rights, and it becomes this whole different thing. And you're like, holy shit, the magic can be deep, you know, and, and it's artful. So, um, but that was a new thing for me when I, when I started, when I struck on this idea of like making a show using magic. Yeah, I'm a magician, you know, let's, you know, everything in the show will use magic somehow, but let's make it a show about life what i'm dealing with what we're all dealing with you know trying to explore the human condition you know and uh that's kind of where it became i think a little deeper and feel felt new to me and i think it feels
1: you know feels new to people it resonates Feels super new bit. to me yeah. i mean i didn't say it earlier but that was what i meant to get to in terms of the david Blaine thing. like that's the big difference to me right what where did that come from um that's a good
3: question i
1: think um
3: inspired by shows like i mean like I like to think that that our show's kind of like Anthony Bourdain kind of mm-hmm. what- what his early stuff did, but instead of food being what connects and lets you relate to people and learn about other cultures, it's magic. you know it's kind of like food and magic are these things that are somehow like a little universal language, and it lets people's guard fall down and they kind of can be real and you can you know kind of have access to places that you wouldn't otherwise, and you kind of get people. To be a little more open than you otherwise would, and this—I I, mean—that I kind of learned just from when I was a, a 16, 17-year-old kid doing gigs in St. Louis. You know, when I, when I was in high school, I would do a, a bar, and bar Mitzvah on one day, and I'd do like a uh, quinceanera, and I'd do mm-hmm. like an Ar- Armenian family's, you know, uh, wedding, re- wedding anniversary, like all these very different events and the the common denominator was me going in as a magician but i was able to like wow what when else would i be with all these people learning about them and so that was that that was kind of always something about magic that i liked um and i think um you know obviously doing a comedy show uh and there's great you know just inspired by a daily show or john oliver like you know all these guys who are able to make comedy more than just the joke you know you're able to kind of peel back the onion and learn a little something about people was was just kind of felt good to me i did a pilot that didn't get picked up where it was the premise was me solving america's problems with magic you know which i think was on the right path was about something bigger like i walked through trump's wall and i did a bit about nipple censorship like it was it was a little too divisive in the end like because you end up catering to the bubble so half the people are like dude love it and the other half were like i'm unfollowing you (laughs) you know stick to magic again i know all about that shit
0: (laughs)
1: no no i'll make the nipples disappear again i'm sorry Um, but But, yeah
0: to just to get a little more nuts and boltsy just for a second to pick one to segment to use as an example sure as far as your process goes on the christmas episode you had a great segment where you um you have the box that grants a child's christmas wish right Mm -hmm. whatever you want for christmas this box grants it you know through you and uh, and then, I, I, you know what? I don't want to spoil it. It then takes like a turn at the end that's really like, you know, heartfelt and is mm-hmm. awesome while also being funny. What I'm wondering is, what came first in that scenario? Did you have the, in the writer's room, did you have the general idea for that segment? And then were you like, oh, you know what? I, I got a trick in my arsenal that I can use a version of for this. It'll be perfect. It'll play perfectly with what we're talking about. Or was it the other way around where, you had the idea for you know, the box that does the th- the trick itself, and then you sort of built the uh, the segment around it.
3: I think the idea came from season one, first episode. We did a bit where we recreated the Stanford marshmallow experiment with kids. So it's me, and and that experiment is like here's a marshmallow, kid. You have uh, if you, you can eat this marshmallow now, or if you wait 15 minutes and you don't eat it, I'll come in and give you another marshmallow. You know, and it's just you know a classic psychological experiment and i was like why don't we add a little magic to that i'll make the marshmallow disappear before the 15 minutes let's see how the kid reacts we'll do it again where i'm at the table with the kid where i'm trying to peer pressure him and and it was like a really uh, work magic with kids is great because they they you know their guard is down that we have as adults so right. they're kind of not distracted by knowing it's a trick right away it's kind of like it's magic you know and it's a i think it's a Beautiful thing to watch as an adult, just to be reminded of, like, oh yeah, I was like that. Shit, I wish I was like that again. You know, like it's nice. So we wanted to. I didn't want to like <clears throat> do again. All right, let's do the marshmallow experiment, but just with a different thing. <clears throat> but I like the idea of me being across the table from a kid and kind of like what's what seems like it's just me and this kid talking, keeping it real uh, about generosity about Christmas. I think yeah. I remember seeing some YouTube video <clears throat> about um, you know a little girl. Uh, on the street who um, you know gave twenty dollars that she just won to like a homeless person and I think it was maybe a hidden camera video just to see what what kids would what a kid would do you know if they could they could here's some money you can buy right uh, ice cream here or you can give it and, you, and you're just so emotional seeing the kids you know give it it's kind of um, and, and not all of them but you right. kind of, I, I remember just being moved by like oh yeah it's Christmas time and everyone's thinking about giving and kids get Uh, really bad rap it's all everyone thinks kids me 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 toys 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 so why don't i kind of create a situation where i have this magic box now we're kind of back in the realm of a mat you know Mm. magicians and magic boxes that doesn't seem too new but let's present it as a magic gift box where the kid i can make any gift they want appear for them as long as it fits in this box and i do that you know, so that's kind of uh, repurposing an, an old magic idea, mm-hmm. coming up with different ways. You can't just do the same trick the same way multiple times because you start to, you yeah you, know, you got to kind of mix it up a little bit. So, one or six to eight ways that we could make these, whatever the kid asks for, appear. And then I ask them what their parent wants. And I right. say, oh, I could change it to that too. Watch Let me change it to the shoes your mom wants. Now, the dilemma do you want to keep the shoes or do you want to right. change it back to the PlayStation? And you kind of get to see them. Yeah
0: yeah i thought that was great breakdown so that we're,
3: was really really fun
0: once it got to that part and i realized what you were doing i was like i was like oh this is fucking awesome yeah. like i really like that and it it was like it was both like you know like i said heartwarming whatever else but also funny because you know you had some of the kids were just like no nah, i'm gonna keep the right. PlayStation, <laughs> you know or whatever and it's so uh, it was just yeah were you afraid that, or were there
1: any takes where a kid asked for something you know so I had, want my dad to come back. I had whatever. the same thought when I was watching it. I, I, I wondered... Or about. even just impossible. Like, I want it to... I don't know what else they would... You know, I want a lake in my yard or right. whatever. Well, I I did... I,
3: plotting this out, I was like, okay, we need to give this parameters. One, I can't, you know... I had to say, you can wish for anything. It just has to be something that fits in this mm-hmm. box. Right. There's no holes in the box, so it can't be a puppy. You yeah. know. right. My parents would be pissed if I just... Yeah, get, yeah. Get a puppy, good luck. I knew, that, I knew that request would come. Um but I, I the idea for that came from just wanting to have to see a kid make that decision yeah. without you know being pressured wouldn't that be cool to create a scenario and then it was come up with what's what what are all the magic methods to pull that off so when yeah. you get
1: to that point you've got to talk to directors and or a director and cameramen and women mm-hmm. i'm just so intrigued by that process of it like this is how it's going to work cuz you you have to be the director of not only your trick but do you know what i'm saying yeah how Did many
0: dr- people on the show kind of go behind the curtain as Drew's saying and sort of know it, what because they have to know because of how the process yeah. works
3: how well, the tricks
0: work how do you handle that part well
3: we've got so after the whole writer's room process is done we say farewell to just the straight-up writers and they're, they're they have the easy job which is just coming up with these ideas and not figuring out how to do it then i have like a magic team of um, a lot of them are just good old friends that I've known for 15-20 years who are also magic geniuses and everyone mm-hmm. kind of has a different superpower you know like my co-EP who's kind of my other side of my brain magic wise his name's Stuart McLeod I've always been a fan of his stuff Barry and Stuart he's got a, he's from Scotland he's got a two man magic team and he's amazing so he kind of came on board for season one and we've created all this stuff together he just has a great way of thinking and then we put together a team one guy's really good with boxes and foam core and paper you know so that's going to be his this is going to be his bit this my buddy blake he's just amazing if it involves paper cardboard foam core this dude can make crazy shit he's like got an industrial design degree you know and um and then you know like the uh, yes team of like eight magic folks my director buddy adam who directed season one as well who i've worked with a bunch of stuff he you have to look like scary thing is starting with brand new with the new director who's never done magic before because there's a lot of stuff that's counterintuitive you know normally you know you want to make the shot interesting by cutting and cutting and it's like no no this has to be it's interesting be on from the, the start and round. you know i have to i can't just dilly dally yeah. you know because we can't cut you, so can't, it's move be, you, yeah, can't, you can't move can't around yeah you can't cut it's it at gotta all. be visually right. stimulating without cutting and it's also got to be to the point you know and um so while we're we basically set up like we in our little magic studio, we kind of set up the scenario. and We talk once we have the – here's the method we're going to use. We get all the camera folks in. We've got the AD who's basically going to be the one who's kind of – just needs to know how to schedule the day. So they need to know how everything works and the camera guys and the director. And, um, you know, they're – I'm sure the first time they were taken behind the scenes, it's kind of like, oh, wow, oh, shoot, okay. It's not – you know, you kind of – Bummed out when it's not real, you know? <laughs> right? But, yeah. but a lot of times, yeah. I think they—you get a newfound respect when they see how hard and all the work that goes into pulling off a trick, you know. And they yeah. kind of—they they kind of really become magicians too because. Um, just there's a lot of misdirection i do as a magician on stage but then the misdirection that happens in a scene with uh, you know like okay the person who i'm doing the thing for you know they need to be looking and paying attention to a certain direction the the view of the camera you know you're kind of exploiting um all the things in the scene but you kind of have to make you amazed and also make the viewer amazed so it's kind of it's it's a lot going on but there's um so it's, it's harder, I think, than shooting a, a regular show where, you know, you kind of script it out and you storyboard it and you shoot it as is because you're using real people and kids who will do and say whatever they want and get up and walk around. You know, when I'm doing a show on stage, someone gets up and they walk and they look at it from behind. I'm, you know, it's kind of like I remember my first memory when I was six is it was a clown doing magic at my first birthday at my sixth birthday party. And I remember trying to sneak and watch his act from behind. And I got scolded and yelled at by him. Yeah. Because, you know, you're supposed to watch the magic from the front, and you're going to see how it works. So Mm -hmm. when you're doing it in this real-world setting, you know, I kind of – there's a lot of crowd control. Yeah. You know, Um, and it doesn't always work, you know, because because it all is practical magic. If a trick fumbles or I have the box at an angle where you see how that thing got in there, we just can't use that shot, you know. So we kind of have to overshoot. So I maybe shot with a dozen kids that day in order to get those – ones that are just really great and emotive um yeah, yeah well yeah it's fascinating
0: pro the differences in that I, I can see how you said a director would be you know wouldn't know where to or what to do with yeah. that kind of yeah because it's like you said it's counter to everything that they're taught and think
3: about exactly. make, you know
0: making it, but it visually that, interesting all that. yeah right.
3: and and also they have to kind of make some compromises just in their vision as well because it's like oh okay i can't shoot it from that angle that, that i would i would naturally want to do that to make this look good but if i can't all right i gotta come up with a different way to tell this story you know
1: and uh it's, it, it, yeah. it, it's worth so, it when it works. That's got to be one of the hardest parts of your job is to navigate all of that. It's like, I, not only do I have to be a great magician who looks good on camera, is charismatic, and is in control of the situation with these kids, I also have to run this team like a showrunner. Yeah, And sometimes with people who don't, understand where i'm coming from you i'm sure they do by now that's i'm sure you keep working with the same people so you don't have to retrain magicians that's a big thing yeah you know it's, the hardest part is probably because you know is
3: uh, when i'm if you eavesdrop on me talking magic shop with magicians there's like a lingo like a language mm-hmm. you know like when Penn and teller on fool us when they kind of explain how they think a trick works to the magician no one knows what the hell they're talking about except right. for the magician so when we're having to like talk all the departments through and the ad through what we're going to shoot all next week i you have to kind of switch that magic brain off and talk like a layperson. and sometimes i'm i don't have the patience f- for that yeah explaining. how the fuck did
1: you sell this show <laughs> <laughs> I just, See, I don't just know, trust dude. me it's magic <laughs> just trust me i know i know that's the hard part
3: well i wanted to get into
0: some of that actually the actual like not the business side but the like the career part of it as far as you're concerned yeah. you mentioned briefly earlier you got to emerson and that sort of when you started adding humor and comedy to what you were doing Mm -hmm. what i don't know how did that come about for you and how did you initially start doing that like was it like little by little you know how did you how much did you incorporate
3: comedy and to what degree and how quickly i when i was in when i was like a senior in high school I I had a stage name. I performed as Just Incredible. Yeah, I saw it on Wikipedia. <laughs> I dig that, and it wasn't less ironically. It was more like, oh, it's a great stage name. It's a pun. People mm-hmm. remember that. And then in college, I think maybe sophomore, junior year, I started to realize how funny that is. And if I'm not, if I'm doing it earnestly, it's kind of funny for the wrong reasons. Like, but it, you know, it, it could be, be Just Incredible could be pretty funny if he's in on the joke. So mm-hmm. then right. it kind of became a little bit of a self aware. I, th- I think maybe that's what a lot of magicians never get around it is. to just being self aware. From my perceived. perspective, yes, that's yeah. a
1: huge it, part it, of it. It would be just a tragedy if on our end if we didn't ask you about the amazing Jonathan on oh, that yeah. note. Were you a fan of his? Huge when fan. did you discover yeah, him? He was awesome. I loved him. Man, I just thought it was because I was like the right age when he did the one, we're going to pull a bird out, and he just flips that lady off. Yeah. God, you know, when you're 13, like, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. He just flipped a woman off, you know? Because
3: he's, uh, you know, he's got what I know that I think young teen boys love about Carrot Top. I remember loving Carrot Top, but just he's, like, a little bit less with the props. It's like spoofing magic. I I didn't care maybe that most of the tricks never ended up being tricks. He was just so – yeah, it was all – it tickled all the right funny moments. I was always a huge fan of Amazing Jonathan and very inspired by – just occasionally going for a straight up gag with magic. You kind of create this expectation that there's going to be a trick. So it's funny. And I've enjoyed this where sometimes it's not a trick at all. You know, yeah. like uh, it, you, you know, you're poking fun at the expectation for magic and, uh, He's actually kind of become a, a, a friend and a mentory figure, and he's a good he's a really good dude in Vegas. He's mm. battling some health problems, but yeah. he kind of made yeah. a comeback. Did you see the documentary?
1: I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I'm a big fan of Steve Burns, and I want to. I saw his interview, or listened to his interview on WTF a couple yeah. of years ago, and then that's got him back on my radar. Yeah. Well,
3: Steve Burns, there were two docs. About oh, my bad. It. Yeah. About Steve Burns did one, and then it came out, and then Ben Berman did one, which is on Hulu now. And it, and Benz is kind of about him documenting Amazing Jonathan, and then discovering that there's another documentary about Amazing Jonathan. So it's kind of about it's about you know two documentary crews trying to chase the story. It's it's really interesting, really great. yeah. Which is perfectly tells just the story of what you know Jonathan is, which is this you know what, what what's going on with this guy? He's not telling it telling it to us straight. It's like it's like is this uh, all elaborate prank? <laughs> yeah, it, it's really fun.
0: Um, so how did like? How did it all progress for you as and, it, and at what how did you sort of pick up steam doing what you're doing and at what point did you did it kind of occur to you that that was happening and you know that type of thing
3: Well I did when I was in when I was in college at Emerson it's a artsy fartsy enough school that I was able to get bees and then on the weekends do do shows all over New England. So I was, you know, as Just Incredible, put an ad in the uh, Boston Parents paper, you know, for kids' birthdays and I would do bar mitzvahs and corporate events and I would kind of sometimes do like seven, eight shows a weekend. So I kind of was getting this stage time and also able to start, you know, making some money in college and uh, but mostly just getting this experience you know, like, um, you know, gigging, gigging. And then I started doing colleges. I did the NACA circuit. Yeah. So right when I graduated Emerson, I moved to L.A. Um, and started touring colleges, and that's where I was able to basically first take my kid's birthday party show, and just add sexual innuendos, mm-hmm. same material, right. and it became a, a college show for college students somehow. And uh, I did like 200 shows a year for 10 years.
1: I I, I did it Shit, hard, yeah. heavy, yeah. And, well, uh, and that at least compared to a lot of gigs pays pretty well. So. Pays
3: pretty well if you you know if you've got an agent who believes in you and. This is before there were tons of magicians in the market, you know, so you go to these conferences and you kind of really stand out as something special and people would remember the name just incredible, and kind of like a tongue in cheek, wink, wink, and they're like, oh, it's funny. You know?
1: very, uh, we may have talked about it before. The conference he's referring to is you have to go audition in front of college kids to be booked by college kids. And you're saying that at the time you were doing that, there weren't a lot of magicians. So there weren't a lot,
3: out. yeah. And you have to pay to yeah, yeah, 15 yeah. minutes in front right, of So you, you yeah. pay
1: to perform, but then you might walk away with... 30
3: gigs from that one show and you're booked all fall and Mm. and it's great
0: so you you did it like you
3: did the old-fashioned way like out there road dogging. yeah and that's before i even did any comedy clubs but then over the course of those years like the act became equal parts magic and comedy and i kind of found my my comedic voice i was able to catch up on you know i'd been a magician much longer than i'd been Mm -hmm. in comedy and you know how just takes time. the number of years you've yeah. done comedy, it's like very every year is a very different tier in your own development. So I was able to catch up on my own, you know, finding my voice as a performer. At I, what point did you
1: drop Credible? I dropped Credible uh, nine years ago. Started yeah. doing comedy and lost credibility. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Um, that reminded me of something I wanted to ask you, which is one thing I think is similar about what we do is you're sort of causing a reaction in human beings. Right. They show up wanting it, but it's it's also a little bit involuntary. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, if you come to a comedy show and just say, "I'm not going to laugh. I'm sure you can pull that off." But for the most part, laughter is just a, it's just a reaction. And so is that. <gasps> the difference is though, no one's ever gotten mad at me for making them laugh. I have seen people not get mad, but like almost mad at magicians. Does mm-hmm. that like they feel like you've done something to them? Is that am I making that up? No,
3: it's I mean, I think that's like what I love about magic in terms of like the psychology aspect that we explore in the shows that like, you know, psychology is observing how people react in different situations and I feel like magic is like the perfect st- stimulus. People react differently. Some people yeah. love it, run away, screaming, pure joy, but some people take it like as a uh challenge to their intelligence so they get mad when like you duped them you know like you stole my wife or something like how dare you uh and they i think that's just a different personality i think it's revealing about the type of person Mm -hmm. you ever scared
1: anybody oh yeah people get scared because i got scared once i don't think i've ever been angry at him i'm sure i have but not for doing magic but uh (laughs) michael casey our you know buddy. him, Michael Casey
0: he's in Raleigh, North Carolina. Michael Casey. He does a lot of shows for like country, you know, like Nashville country artists and okay. stuff with he's, he's, like I he's, he's their backstage. He might be Instagram guy we whatever. all call right. him
3: Magic Mike. Magic Mike. Okay. I don't know if he likes it
0: or not. I, yeah,
1: I'm not sure. either. <laughs> he did, That's his just incredible. It's yeah. not on his business card. Well, we we just started calling him that. No, I mean, other just, people yeah, call him. Yeah, sure, that. of course. Everybody does. So, so, he did a trick. It was a great trick. It was like a little bit like wild. like Blue, mine, it, it was mine. related to this. Well, there was there's two layers to this. It was related to the Seven of Clubs. It was a card trick. That was my card. It was long. I was high. I can't really describe it all, but it was wild, and I couldn't believe where the card was. And we were like, holy shit. And then he, I was like, I can't believe, you know, in and this. And you, and you tricked me because I thought that the trick was going to be this, and then it was over here and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, well, yeah, I mean, you know. I've been pimping it to you all night, and he's got a fucking tattoo of my card on his arm, but it was covered up. And he said later that that was just a coincidence, but it freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> I was stoned, and I was like, "What the fuck do you mean? Like, you know how to do that? Why don't you like go to Wall Street or something? Like, what are you talking about? You've been pimping that to me all night. Freaked me out. Now I was high, but like it scared me. Wow. And then he was like, "Dude, I'm kidding. That was a coincidence. But I think he just lied to me to make me feel better." No, I think it maybe was. I mean,
3: it probably. Magic often is like uh, exploiting coincidence, like right. exploiting just the perfect things that happen to be there. You know, like those so comedy. I, I remember once doing a trick like a ring—Barnes uh, and someone's wedding ring—and I was trying to, you know, make it disappear and reappear on my keychain. But it disappeared and then it flew. Okay, so like it was g- gone, and they saw that it flew, like it wasn't part of the trick. So they think their ring is lost in a busy bar. And everyone's freaking out. And I remember just like, everyone kind of starts looking for it. And I looked down and literally somehow it was rolled back, right text to my foot and I just picked it up and nobody saw me. I hung it up on a nail on the wall in this bar, you know? <laughs> and then I was like, hold on, we'll make it reappear. We'll make it reappear. Hold on. And I just kind of like gestured at the nail and people just lost, lost their, their shit because it's like all the way up there and it doesn't make sense and I'm just trying to, it's just me doing some jazz. But yeah, people, I think in the South, there's a lot of uh, black magic connotation. Also like, you know, people who are, you know, uh, raised Christian, I think, or uh, on, on the lookout for demon magic, <laughs> well, you know, that,
1: like it's evil. Maybe, but that was, and, and I do think that, that fear is still well, he inside just broke, me. he broke your brain. It was more of like, you're telling me you're capable of that? That any <laughs> human is capable of that? <laughs> yeah. And not not just to me, to anybody. You can make me pick a card? It's like, oh, I believed him. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I believe you. Oh, that's fucking freaky, dude. Yeah. You can just do that to a person? And then he was like, no, I'm fucking with you.
3: See, that's another, like, that's, it tells a lot about you. Like, you're not sure. mad.
1: You're just like, uh, yeah, I, yeah, like, I you're can't believe in the world like, that we live in. Yeah. Humans changing, are capable of yeah, that.
3: You're challenging everything that I thought was possible right. or not possible. And, and, that's it, and it
1: freaked me out. And it freaked you out.
3: Well, <laughs> oh,
0: that's the, like, you were talking earlier about kids doing magic for kids, and that made me realize, I'm sure it's been pointed out a million times probably, but that's like, I think if you're into magic, that's probably part of it is because it, like, it gives you, you know, a sense of, like, wonder mm-hmm. and that type of thing, which, yeah. like, kids have all the time, but yeah. adults, like, almost never experience that. That's <laughs> why I mean? got so
1: scared. What is <laughs>
0: this, joy? Yeah, right. Oh, my God. But any, like, genuine, like, you know, like, mind-blowing moment or whatever, that type of thing, like, you don't get that
3: too much, mm-hmm. honestly. Because we think we know how the world works, right. you know, and we've and we've also been, like – You know, a lot of the stuff that we found great wonder in as a kid, you know, Tooth Fairy, this, 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 you kind of realize, Mm -hmm. oh, man, none of that. Yeah. Wow. Right. Is that too? How big is a family audience? I can say the Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So the Tooth Fairy, all those spoilers, you kind of become like, oh, man, there is no magic. And I think you grow up thinking there's no magic and I know how everything works. So seeing that reminds you of feeling like a kid, which normally for most people, I think is a good thing. They enjoy that that sensation.
0: Right. Yeah. What about the, um, what about the the hosting stuff that you've done? You know, like food shows and that type of thing. Yeah. I mean, it seems random, but like, how did that, is that at all related to the broadcast journalism
3: thing? Is that kind of, you know, like I feel like getting, getting that degree, learning how to read a teleprompter and just talk in front of camera, like in college was a, a useful skill, and I knew that, you know, like I, I always loved, like Johnny Carson was my hero, and then I loved Jay Leno, and I loved, uh, you know, just some of these people who are just great, funny hosts, you know, whether <clears throat> yeah. or not they're doing magic or or not, you know, just watching Steve Martin host the Oscars or watching really funny pe- people host SNL. I think I always like just thought like, wow, that looks what? A, that's an easy job. You're basically showing up. You don't have any props. It's like a magic gig, but I don't need to bring anything. Great mm-hmm. and uh, so as my kind of as I developed as a comedian I, and living in Los Angeles, I would go out on random hosting auditions, you know because they're they 're just looking for people who hopefully are funny and can think on their feet and you know can read and say words and uh, not look like they 're reading and saying words and I, luckily, I learned how to do that so uh, and i and I think I thought early on, like, okay, if I can get a hosting gig, I can probably squeeze a little magic into that gig. And then maybe raise my profile, more people will know who I am, and that'll help the magic, you know, kind of like a symbiosis. So the Cupcake Wars was a random audition that I went out on that I uh, thought, okay. oh, you know, it was for like a pilot, and uh, right. like this is going to get picked up, a show about cupcakes. I think I thought I completely bombed it. And then two weeks later, which was way long to wait to hear anything, yeah. they had me back in and... I don't know. Ended up working out. I so think... it
0: it didn't have anything to do with your magic career at all. It was totally separate. Totally
3: separate. But yeah, I mean, I, did I didn't see the, the connection. I just sort
0: of assumed that you know it was through whatever connections you made or whatever. it's something related to magic. Sort of, sort of, you know, shot off into that because I know that type of thing happens sometimes. Well, the fact...
3: magic the fact the fact that you can do a thing like in the room or you meet right. them like it does set you apart. Like it does. Yeah. You know. It's it's. You know the fact that you can walk in anywhere and be funny, right? It's like, yeah. oh wow, they remember that guy. He's funny, you know. And then other people auditioning are just are actors who are also looking for a hosting job, you know, who don't necessarily have that shtick up their sleeve. How so do you en- helpful?
0: How do you enjoy that or not that experience? Like saying with no magic element mm-hmm. just some other type of show like did you did you like doing that Do you want is that an interest you still have you want to keep I, doing, I that or? doing
3: that i did de- i always wanted to i think like specifically i was like oh, i want to host a game show you know cupcake wars wasn't really a game show is a competition
0: this show. is the thing i said before so uh, we didn't Corey's not here everybody i'm sure y'all noticed uh-huh. but anyway this was the thing i wanted you and him to talk about because he's like gotten into a little bit of this but with pilots you know Uh has not anything like go yet but he's like sort of in that world lately and i was you know wanting to hear your in the game show world hosting and and game show like he's you know that just that general arena
3: you know i um i i've loved it i've enjoyed it it's been great experience i think with cupcake wars it was Fun just because, wow, it became a hit. People liked it, and I kind of liked hearing that people would say, like, oh, I love watching that show with my kids or with my grandparents or whatever. Like, it was it was a show that made people happy, you know? So that's that's a ha- nice, happy accident. I love I love game shows, just growing up loving Bob yeah. Barker, thinking, like, that's the best job ever, you know? He's, he's witty. He's got the mic. It's, it's, it seems like an easy job. He's having fun. It looks like he's having fun, you know? To me, that seems like a great goal. And I think what helped me for, like, those auditions is because I had – my magic thing—that's really my passion—that I'm going on, working on. I kind of maybe could take it, or yep. leave it. Like I don't, yep. I'm not living or dying by this audition. And if it goes well, and ironically, like that aloofness kind of yeah. makes you do better. You know, you kind of just a little less. You're more relaxed, working
1: hard but not overthinking it.
3: Yeah, there's something about that when when you could, when you don't need it yeah. is when yeah. people want you.
1: Yeah, same the way.
3: <laughs> or at least when you can act like you don't <laughs> yeah, need it. That's right. Put that on a. But I would, I mean, I auditioned for so many things that I didn't get Mm -hmm. over the years. Right. So many random things that you get really swept up in the excitement of because you imagine you're driving home from that audition that you think went well and you're just thinking about all the ways your life is going (laughs) to change. This, this, this. I'm going to be able to, you know, make more money per gig. I'm going to be able to tour more and this. Oh, gosh. And, you know, then you have that heartbreak. And then you tell your parents that you had an audition, and then they ask you about it all the time. So yeah, a year later. I thought you auditions.
1: were going to do that. Yeah. yeah. I would have loved to. Why don't you just call Lorne Michaels?
3: <laughs> yeah. I've
0: had a few uh, pilots, you know, that didn't go. And, they, uh-huh. but, like, people find out about, you know, deadline or whatever or just friends and family that don't know how, you know, how the industry works mm-hmm. or whatnot. And it's the same type of thing. And it gets to a point where it's like, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you. yeah Yeah. one day what's your uh, do you have like a like a white whale for you in terms of projects or Mm. something you know what i mean like a thing you got way off in the distance or not or or not just something that you're like that's the thing that i want to be able to do one day whether it involves magic or your own show concept or both or not or whatever
3: well it's like this show that i make now was kind of like my white whale for yeah 20 years right, right know, or at least like i remember just as a kid thinking like okay just to have my own t- i think at first it was just you know the idea of a magic special because there wasn't like a magic series ever as a kid you're thinking of you've got lance burton's with the specials and copperfield's so the dream is to have a special yeah you know and those t- those days are kind of gone The spec, you know mm. blaine doesn't even do one more than you know every two or three years you know the special and then when magic kind of uh, really i think had a renaissance on tv that was just like oh man have a have My own show, you know to have whatever that would be before I even knew what it was, so that was always the dream and uh to to have that is is amazing to be able to make that thing. I think like when I was a kid, I was uh, with Johnny Carson as my hero. the dream is always like I want to host the Tonight show one day, you know that very very almost impossible dream
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
3: that, that one person every trend 30 years gets to do um, I would love to, I would love to host a I think, like before Magic for Humans, I did this show in the back of a comic book shop called Slide of Mouth, and it was a magic talk show. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a late night talk show format. I would do a magic monologue up top, and we'd have a guest and we'd talk, and I'd do a trick. And, um, you know, whether something like that parlays itself into late night or maybe even like a daytime thing, I don't know. But I would love to have a show where I don't have to be doing magic every minute, you know, and mm-hmm. I can, you know, uh, kind of have that MC host yeah. host guy emerge and then um you know like my college buddy Dan Levy who got me into stand up when I was uh, at Emerson he has uh, he just after both of us living in LA 18 years he just sold his own sitcom to NBC that he's producing right now so like seeing that that also seemingly unattainable dream is like wow you can really do it if you bust your ass you know to make a show about your life you know mm-hmm. he's showrunner creator is not in it and that's that's kind of – I think as you get a little older, you know, now that I'm 39, it's like, I don't have to be in everything. You know, you kind of the, – the, yeah. the ego-driven goals are a little – it's more – it's kind of exciting to create a thing – and you know that it's your it's your voice and your vision and there's that to the world i don't have to be in it I a little more freeing not being in it i can create another thing
0: the also a lot of time not necessarily but a lot of times that you're giving up a lot of that uh first thing as far as making sure your voice and vision and all that is mm-hmm. come hugely comes across you're kind of necessarily sacrificing an element of that if you're also going to be in it you yes. know front and center exactly um so but yeah i'm I totally with you on next on that.
3: the agenda is to do like a live uh, like a live special like of my live show not live like you know tonight live but like uh like a comedy special like what you see when you watch a again yeah. special but of what i do on stage because most of most of my time most of my years spent on tour doing my show in clubs or theaters and and uh you know, and I want to continue to do that forever. And I feel like it would help to have. I want to document that, have it out there, but also just have people see it and think, oh, "I want to go see that guy." Because you don't really see that. On you don't. that you... note, yeah. Uh,
0: with comedians, you know, without magic, you just stand-up comedians. I mean, the vast, vast majority of us nowadays. You got a special that comes out, right? You do want people to see it and be like, "Oh, I want to go see him live, buy the ticket," but also. The special they actually saw, if it just came out, like all that material that you did on that is dead, right? So when they do come see you, it's completely different from that. Mm-hmm. That's the general philosophy for, for comics. How does that work with Magic? Is it the same thing? If you made that special like that and put that out, you want them to come see you, but when they do, it won't be any of that that they saw?
3: Yeah, It's tricky. Well, I think there's certain things that I would do in my like live touring show that maybe wouldn't be perfectly lending themselves to doing in a in a filmed special, mm-hmm. so there'll be some gems hopefully that are held back. But yeah, like if I do something, if I if somebody saw me do a trick or whatever on Conan or whatever, and then they see me do it the same way live, I think they are a little bit let down. It's mm-hmm. not like music, you know, it, like right. comedy. You, <sighs> if you if you know the punchline, you kind of right the the beauty of that first viewing is gone. And with magic, it's the same way. I could right. do some twists on things, you know, or at least. Um, you know, like uh remix the trick, so mm-hmm. you think you, you think it's going to be like the way you saw it, but it's got a little extra twist in it, which is fun. But for the most part, I think I would sh- have to shoot that special and then write a new show. Yeah.
1: Which is. Do you know? Do your fans know about Just Incredible? Yeah. As your name and stuff, because that'd be that'd be a hilarious name for a special. Like right? ironically, <laughs> you know.
3: I'm I'm not opposed to it. It's 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 funny because like for <clears> years I like I started to kind of be ashamed of it. I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm Justin, credible, i know you know <laughs> and that's when i knew like i kind of needed to ditch it but now i think enough times past it could be a funny thing to bring back right on well uh thank
0: you so much for coming thanks guys mr willman mr credible i appreciate it and magic mike magic. You can call me <laughs> <laughs> um so magic for humans on netflix yes. right now check uh, it out two seasons the second one just came out also, you're going to be hitting the road again the next road. year, right?
3: Bunch of cities, bunch of great it, you American got people cities. People go to like your
0: website or something to see yeah, all the you can dates. Go to
3: justinwillman.com, right. See all the dates. It's called the Magic in Real Life Tour. They're all ages shows. You know, I've always kind of struggled with that because you know, it's not like a kiddie show, but mm-hmm. magic is something that people just kind of want to bring their whole yeah. family to. So, yeah. like, right. you know, keep it clean and hopefully make people happy.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you made us happy today. I've had a great time. I like mine too. Thanks, buddy. Thank Everybody him. go check him out. Justinwoman.com, Magic for Humans on Netflix. We will see y'all next time. Skeet.